how can one become so bounded by choices that somebody else makes? Great question, Adele. finally happening. I'm finally going to stand here. Yes, I'm standing and talk to myself and talk to you, hopefully, about one of my favorite songs of this decade. I Drink Wine by none other than Adele. This song was pretty quickly my favorite off her new album. Uh, Easy On Me, you know, it's a good song, great song, talked about it. But this one, like, not a single line is is to be left out like every single line is bars and uh i want to talk about it and i want to talk about what i feel like she's alluding to and how i take it and how you should take it because you have to let other people decide what art means to you not yourself obviously so yeah i think i'm just gonna like go line by line and then see what happens and uh I already told you the first one, but we're going to say it again because you didn't know it was an Adele song. You just thought it was like a really good quote. I drink wine. How can one become so bounded by choices that somebody else makes? That's a killer start right off rip because that applies to literally everything. First of all, didn't choose to be born. Didn't choose your parents, didn't choose their genetics, didn't choose where you were born, didn't choose the nationality you were born into, didn't choose the economic class you grew up in. But all of these things determine the scope and possibility and trajectory of your life, of your decisions. All of these things that came together to create you were completely out of your control. You had no say in the matter. But nonetheless, here you are, and here you are bounded by all of these things that happened before you even existed, before you had entered anyone's mind. Their minds were already permeating yours. And I think by starting it with that, it's such a, and, and she's 30 at the time of the album, I'm guessing, or she just released it when she's 30, but this question being asked at someone at that point in their life is is really like, to me, it just felt so kind of defeated, but on the on the back end of defeat, like coming to the coming to terms with the defeat. So how can I be so out of control? You know, Adele, as we know her, is one of the greatest musical people songwriters singers whatever of all time like human history recent human history and yet she still feels this weight of the world that even though even though she has all this success even though she has all this fame she's still you know just bouncing around in the river she's just a little leaf and the river's just taking her and that's actually what the music video is. She's literally sitting in a floaty tube going down a river. <laughs> so I think it's pretty it's pretty good, pretty spot on. How come we've both become a version of a person we don't even like? 
Raise your hand if every morning, every single morning, every night, you wake up and go to bed so thrilled to be you. You're just like, oh, hell yeah. I struck gold. I am gold. And everyone who strikes me gets rich. Do you feel that way? Raise your hand. It's such a weird thing to be a person that you don't like, right? I mean, everyone understands the sentiment, but just the way she frames it in a question, how come? How come? You know, we don't like this version of ourselves, but we are it. We are it. Is it maybe because of the choices that other people make, you know? How are we bounded by that? How are we now a version of that reflection in the mirror that you look at and you just kind of, huh, you're soured by it, discouraged by it even? It's a great question. And I think the answer is different for everyone. We're in love with the world, but the world just wants to bring us down. We're in love with the world, and that by no means is a good thing. I think it's not the same as we're in love with life. It's we're in love with worldly things, with possessions, with ideas, materialism. This is someone speaking from a capitalist society. We're in love with the world. You know, cars and diamonds and a nice steak, cheese, things, simple pleasures that make zero sense. Somewhat like, why are diamonds so expensive? They serve no purpose but to allow people to put themselves in societal castes without actually having societal castes. It's just money. They're like, yeah, I'm a person that's worth more than you. And it's proven by how shiny I am and how many Balenciagas are on my shirt. And I think it's, it's you know, it's not a new idea to critique materialism, so I'll stop talking about it. But we're in love with the world, but the world just wants to bring us down. It's all it wants to do. All these things that are given to us, these consumer products, these services, yeah, it's we it's what we want but do we want to want that do we like the people we are wanting those things is that want manufactured by people with a lot of technology a lot of reach and a very basic understanding of human psychology is it possible to you know live in a capitalist society with profit without stepping on other people bringing other people down just for the sake of your own gain just for the sake of acquiring more things that you supposedly love. <laughs> She's spitting already, like, I guess I'll go on. The world just wants to bring us down by putting ideas in our hearts, nope, by putting ideas in our heads that corrupt our hearts somehow. I feel like our society doesn't view the heart in the way that she's talking about it here, which is as something separate from the brain, as something with its own intention that contradicts brain. And while we we know of that 
conflict within us. Each of us experiences it in our own way. We don't operate as if we believe in it. You know, we still retreat to that reasoning and that logicality of, well, you know, it's not my heart. It's just my silly brain not being able to decide whether I should get over this person or whether I should be productive or whether I should blah, 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 or follow my dreams, whatever. These are, these are real conflicts between heart and mind. And whether you believe that each organ is combating or it's a more abstract process, it's up to you. But the corruption of the heart by way of the mind, it implies... Um, a healing of the heart by way of the mind, but also it's a two-way street. So healing of the mind or, or ideas in the mind could also uncorrupt and purify hearts. So it's interesting that she's acknowledging that, you know, this world that has all its own decisions that affect you and bind you and puts ideas in your head, those ideas can be good or bad. And we have to guard ourselves. This is probably one of my favorite lines, just because mostly nostalgia. When I was a child, every single thing could blow my mind. Soaking it all up for fun, but now I only soak up wine. And that right there, like that line is why I love this song so much and I could talk for an hour about just this part but I think it's so powerful and there's a lot a lot of depth and nuance to this line and I want to share some of it because I think it's so important so freaking important when I was a child, every single thing could blow my mind. None of us have a hard time understanding what that means. But what we do have a hard time understanding is that losing that is not something that is just a byproduct of adulthood. Every single thing blowing your mind is not childish ignorance. It's not something to grow out of. It's not an absence of logic, an absence of reasoning. And this is how we treat it, you know? When kids ask their why, 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 why questions, we get annoyed, we get frustrated. But what are they doing? They are a consciousness that just got injected into a body and it has no choice but to deal with the things that it has to deal with. So, of course, that consciousness is going to be like, what's, what's this and why does that happen and what's going on here? And that is the most pure form of curiosity and wonder. And that is what separates the geniuses that are in the history book from the people who aren't. And it's that, it's rediscovering that curiosity and that wonder of being a child because, oh my God, it, it's like impossible not to smile when you are watching a kid like learn something or, or experience something for the first time it's so unfiltered the eyes like there's no weight on them going back to becoming becoming a version of a person you don't even like how many times have you looked in your own eyes and you're just you're struck by how burdened they look where's the glow where's the light where's the luster that was so often there in childhood and has probably poked itself out 
as you grow, but it dwindles. Every single thing could blow my mind. Soaking it all up for fun, now I only soak up wine. I used to do everything for the sake of doing it. I used to play and be silly and be goofy unapologetically, but now those things put me at risk of social isolation or judging or being observed. And nobody wants to be observed. Nobody wants to be caught doing something or expressing something that they feel authentically and are passionate about, right? That would stink. For someone to know your true intentions and for you to be direct and assertive. Have you ever seen, like, so many kids are hella decisive. Like, hey, do you want 500 bucks? Nope. Well, why? It's 500. I don't want it. You know, like, they could deny something great or, like, want something horrible. And if they decide it, they'll just be, like, set in stone. Like, nope, that's it. Give me that right now. I want it. Or I like it. Or I hate it. And they're, they're so, like, just boom. That's it. It's done deal. We're so caught up as adults in the options and everything is limitless and how do you decide what to do and who to be when you're constantly being shown how all these other people are being and what they're doing kids aren't affected by that in the same way kids aren't bound by that kids aren't corrupted by those ideas another interesting thing that this kind of alludes to is childhood amnesia why can we not remember the most blissful experiences of childhood as we get older it's almost as if the memories that weren't cemented the memories that weren't either profound or traumatic enough to be cemented in our brains are just they're not within reach they're not gone necessarily but we can't use them to inform our lives we can't be like you know you remember when i was four and i just loved that one week where I was just having a great time. We can't remember that. We can only see it reflected in new generations. And imagine if you could recall your childhood in the same way that, you know, you could recall high school or college. Would that make you a different person? Would it remind you of the the vibrance that you might have once had and maybe you've grown out of a shell since childhood i don't know i'm generalizing a lot here so don't kill me but the general idea that you know kids are just not burdened they they, we love maintaining their innocence you know we don't want to see a kid spoiled by the world because we know that that's what the world is going to do and i think when at the end when she says soaking up for fun but now i only soak up wine it's like now i only drown out experience because it's too hard because it's too much of a burden to find the fun and it's easier to just create the fun with numbness because those two things are sort of interchangeable and she's lamenting that she's saddened by that she's recognizing yes i've grown up yes i've made millions of dollars and my name rings out around the world but i'm missing something that i was predisposed with just by being a human what i had as a child is gone now how do i get it back that's what i hear her asking as she's asking about the world and being bounded and being different people it's like how do i get that 
I feel like the best parts of ourselves come out in our most childish, goofy moments, and that's when you can really see somebody. Now we all just soak up the wine, numb it out. And the last thing I'll say on this line is stemming from my background with Christianity and good old Jesus. And there are a lot of Christians who basically just kind of ignore a lot of the sour parts of the Bible and just focus on Jesus's teachings, which, you know, Jesus was a solid dude. He didn't, as far as we know, he didn't do any bad stuff or anything. Everybody loved him and he was a good guy. And yeah, I'm gonna have to go talk to him. But anyways, Jesus said that he who wishes to enter the kingdom of heaven must first become like a child. And this is why I love this line so much because, and yes, it's Christianity, but a lot of major religions have this idea of returning to a childlike state in order to unlock fullness. And a lot of analysts of the Bible, if you believe in heaven and hell, great. But a lot of people see those descriptions as sourced from your mindset. So when she talks about bad ideas and corrupt hearts, hell is a place on earth. I should have said the song right there. Ooh, heaven is a place on earth. See, how often is that sentiment echoed throughout pop culture, art, media, religion, literature? Heaven is a place on earth. Heaven is a state of mind, a state of being accessible to every single person even more so accessible to children because children haven't been bogged down by reality, by the world, by all these things. And basically, you could interpret Jesus's words on telling people how to enter God's kingdom as rediscovering the child in you. And by doing that, when you walk down the street, you're no longer walking by tree number one, tree number two, tree number three, tree number four, each one of those things is an entirely novel experience. Each one has the potential to offer you an experience of wonder and wow, look at that. Look at that caterpillar. <gasps> Whoa, what's it doing? That kind of thing where it's so stupid and pointless in the best of ways, the best of ways. And in my life, I've tried to intentionally try to channel that as much as I can and it's really rewarding because if you're stressed out and you're doing something maybe you're commuting whether you're driving or walking how many things are you passing when you drive the 20 minute commute from your house or your apartment to your job you're probably passing other human beings maybe you're passing your soulmate you're passing animals burrowing in the ground you're passing birds you're passing wind patterns, you're passing hot and cold air interchanging to create freaking moving wind that they can then move some wind chimes and they make this beautiful sweet sound and you go, oh, that sounds nice. And it's like, there's so much happening all the time, so much, but our brains aren't capable of handling it all. So what we do is we prioritize and we streamline our focus and that's really helpful for a lot of things, but what it does suck at doing is allowing us to be enthralled with our experience, enthralled with our life. So 
How do we stop soaking up wine and start soaking up the sun, baby? Cheryl Crow, whatever her name is. So yeah, this is a good song, by the way. <laughs> it's a pretty good song. So when I was a child, every single thing could blow my mind, soaking it all up for fun, but now I only soak up wine. They say to play hard, you work hard. Find balance in the sacrifice. And yet, I don't know anybody who's truly satisfied. Like, this first verse, it just, like, it just, like, floored me. It floored me. It continues to floor me. It's so simple. So simple. She has not said a single, like, triple-syllable word here. They say play hard, to play hard, you work hard. That's what they say, right? Work hard, play hard if you want to flip it. But where does that actually ring true? The amount of people that work hard just to go to another job and work hard there and then sacrifice sleep and then start over the next day, go work hard again. And then again, 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 again. It's like, when are we playing? When are we going to stop lying to ourselves that this American dream bullshit is a thing that everybody can achieve with good old, good old fashioned hard work? It's not a thing. It's not a thing. You know how many people out there with the best lives objectively, they have so much money, eat the nicest food, they love showing everyone. We can all see it, and they make us feel bad about ourselves. Or maybe not feel bad, but, you know, long for what they have. And they hate every day that they wake up into because they can't stand it. Because what are they doing? Eventually, consumption gets old, and you realize you've consumed, 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 but you're not filled, not even a little bit. Find balance in the sacrifice. What does that mean? What, what are we sacrificing? Are we sacrificing time? Are we sacrificing ourself? Are we sacrificing other people? How are we supposed to find balance? And yet, I don't know anybody who's truly satisfied. Me neither. Think about the people in your life. Think about yourself. Are you truly satisfied is anybody satisfied is that even something worth pursuing is is pure satisfaction true satisfaction is that even attainable i don't know do you think that a child who just secured himself an ice cream cone do you think he's truly satisfied i would argue yes i'd argue there's so many moments for a child where Nothing else matters. Nothing. They don't have any taxes due, any reports due, any expectations to fill. They're just eating their ice cream. So if we can channel that into our day-to-day -day life, I think what Adele is telling us is there's a lot to be had. There's a whole another life behind the curtain of the adult world. Because it's within all of us all. We love... We love going online and watching people be silly and goofy, but we're afraid to do it ourselves outside of the private of our own home, privacy of our own home. It's funny. It's funny that you can be goofy to a camera and then share it with millions of people, but it's hard to be goofy in a room of 100 people if you're the center of attention. That's a funny thing. That's not what we're doing here, but it's pretty funny. Pre-chorus, that was verse 1. You better believe I'm trying to keep climbing, but the higher we climb, feels like we're both none the wiser. Say it again. Say it again. 
the higher we climb feels like we're both none the wiser. So at this point, she says we're both, you can maybe think we're talking about uh, a romantic interest or someone that she loves dearly. Like both of us are doing all these things and, you know, we're doing the most. We're trying to climb up this ladder. We're trying to, you know, linearity, right? Everything's just a constant up and up and up. There's never a downfall, right? And if there is, then you did something wrong, right? The higher we climb, the more time we put in, the more relationships we nurture, the more money we accumulate, the more self-care that we complete and what's it all for? Where, are we, where have we gotten now? Okay, great. I got that job that I've always wanted. So everything's good now, right? We're all set. Nope, never is the case. How many times is that the case? I don't know. I don't know every statistic on earth. And neither does anybody else. Neither do you. So why do we still peddle these lies to ourselves that we know what we want? Clearly we don't know what we want. We just, we're just little leaves on the river just bumping into other things. And then we bump into something. Maybe we travel in tandem with it for a while. And we have a nice chat. And then, whoop, little slipstream knocks them out of our way. And then we say, oh, no, they're leaving. But then you realize you got to keep continuing down your path. And then maybe your paths will converge down the road, down the river, sorry. And it's so hard to accept that. And I think I think what a lot of what I got from just this part so far is letting go of the idea of control, accepting that we don't have any, and finding the things that we can control, which is our, our response to the world. We can't control the world. The world's trying to control us. But what we can do is control our attention and control what we allow ourselves to give up to other people, to things, to corporations, to love, to dreams, whatever it is. We can control our reactions. We can control our attention and our responses and our perspectives. That's all we can control. And even then, it's kind of on the, on the edge. Can we control it? I don't know. Anyways, the song is, oh my God. The song is 26 minutes long, by the way, so this isn't that different from listening to it. Chorus. So I hope I learn to get over myself. Stop trying to be somebody else so we can love each other for free. Everybody wants something, but you just want me. <laughs> so I hope to learn, I hope I learn to get over myself, right? Get over it. Get over yourself. There's no set you that has been, you know, there's no statue of you anywhere where you look a certain way and you have a certain personality and that statue will never change. But that's how a lot of people view themselves on a day to day. It's how I view myself. I have this image of what Daniel is, who he is, how he acts, what he should look like. And when I stop and think, what was that image constructed by? Was it constructed by me? Was it constructed by my parents? Was it constructed by my friends? Was it constructed by everybody that walks by me on the street? In a lot of ways, yes to everything. Because we, we have this ego that we uplift and we don't allow ourselves to sway from it. And we get uncomfortable with things that are outside of the confines of what that person is. Who's that person that we don't like looking in the mirror? What do they do? What do they not do? 
and we got to make sure that we keep those things tucked, keep them in line. Get over yourself. You're not special. You're unique, but your experience is shared by so many other people, so get over it. And I don't think she's saying it in the way that I kind of said it with a little like, hey, just get over it. It's not like that. Stop trying to be somebody else. Stop trying to be something that you're not. Stop trying to be the person that other people idealize you as. Stop trying to be the people pleaser. <laughs> Me self-therapizing right now. So we can love each other for free. What is it? We can love each other for free. So much love is lost now when we factor in all this so many people, so many people who want things, whether it's money, power, influence, whatever. So when we show love, we have this guard up so often because we don't know if that love that we're receiving is genuine, if it's for our sake or if it's to the ends of their own whims or whatever. Love in its purest form is insanely powerful. It's scary and a lot of people run from it. Because it's easier to do that. Because when you allow yourself to love, you're allowing yourself to get fury punched in the gut over and over and over and over and over again. Metaphorically, of course. We can love each other for free. So the prerequisite to loving each other for free is getting over yourself and stop trying to be something else. Then we can love each other for free. So if you want... Free love, <laughs> no, genuine love is what I'm getting from this. You got to do some soul searching and, and stop allowing other people to determine who you are. At the end of the day, everybody wants something. You just want me. And that's pretty, that's pretty nice. Everybody wants to be wanted for who they are, unfiltered. Feels really good to be validated. Everybody knows that. Everybody wants that. That's all we're searching for. You got that new you got that new resume, you want validation by getting a job. You got that new dating profile, you want validation by getting a date. I could go on and on, but you get you get the gist. It's powerful stuff. It's powerful stuff. Here we are through the verse 1 pre-chorus chorus. And what's she done already? She said everything is bunk. Let's go back to the drawing board, reassess ourselves, reassess the world, reassess our relationship to that world. And only by doing that, only by doing that difficult, emotional, physical, spiritual, soulful, intellectual work, can we find true, genuine, no strings attached love, both for ourselves, towards ourselves, and for other people, and from other people. And that's some powerful stuff. That's some powerful stuff. Because no matter your circumstance, if you have that, you're good. You're set. Verse 2. Why am I obsessing about the things that I can't control? Why am I seeking approval from people I don't even know? Great. We're getting a little bit of restating, reframing. Why am I obsessing about the things that I know that I can't control? Why am I so bound by the choices that somebody else made? And why, even though I know that I'm bound by those choices, why still do I try and try and try to take the wheel back? Even though I know Jesus has that on lock, 
He's not getting rid of it. That's his wheel now. Why am I seeking approval from people I literally don't know? Seriously, why am I doing that? Like, is me doing a podcast seeking approval of my ideas from people I don't know? Does going on the analytics tab and looking at the data and looking at the amount of streams that I get give me validation and make me feel approved? And if it's not as high as last time, do I feel a little knocked to the ego? Yes. Why do I do that? Why do you do whatever your equivalent of what I just said is? It's natural, right? We're social. We're social, but this question is still necessary. So why? Why? Logical brain that we love so much and treat as the most important ruler of all time. Why do we do that? Why do we do something so illogical? Oh, yeah, because we have a heart. We have a heart that wants to be wanted. And if it's corrupt, it's bunk. I gotta stop saying bunk. I don't know why I'm saying that. I don't even say that regularly. In these crazy times, I hope to find something I can cling on to. Because I need some substance in my life. Dude, like, come on. In these crazy times, yes, we can all agree these times are crazy. Don't need to talk about that. I hope to find something I can cling on to. And I like the word cling because it's almost a little desperate. It's as if you're like, either hanging off an edge and you're clinging on or you're if you've if you've ever seen twister there's that scene where the twister shows up and it's big badassery and they're in like a basement or something and there's this deep cement well and there's a, a rope and the tornado's like on them and they tie themselves to this pole that's dug underground and they're just like flopping in the wind but they are Like, that is kind of the image I get. Like, in these crazy times, like, crazy times, tornado, something I can cling on to, a pipe that's cemented into the ground, right? Great comparison, because that's what it feels like. It's like, we're getting whipped around in the wind. We don't have any which way. We don't know where we're going or where we'll end up. We need something to ground us. And that's, like, that's, that's definitely one of my issues lately is, like, dealing with that. It's just, like, the grounding aspect. I need some substance in my life. Substance. Throw the word sustenance in there. That could be good too. Nutrients. Fulfillment. Everybody needs that. Everybody needs that. And you can see it in the people that don't. And you can see it in your own eyes when you look in the mirror if you have any substance in there. It's amazing how much the body shows what toils the mind. We just need, we need some substance because if you don't have that, then you get lost in World War III, AI taking over humanity, diseases wiping out the planet, um, social conflict destroying a government from within, the fact that plastic is literally everywhere in your body, in the Arctic, in the oceans, in all the fishes, and all the birdies. Plastics everywhere, oil spills, trains derailing, chemicals spilling into the air. You can't even drink water, breathe air, two of the most basic functions of human. So how do you stay grounded in all that? Substance. That's what Adele's saying. That's what she's saying. I need some substance in my life, something real. And she says something real, which as we know, real is a relative word. So she follows up, says, 
something that feels true, something real, something that feels true. And I like the way she says it because it's like something real. Well, maybe maybe whatever that means, but then something that feels real, it feels true, feels authentic, even if it's not. That's the way I see it, like something that, what, is, what does it mean to be true? Who can decide that? All we need is something that feels true enough, feels true enough to have the effect. Is that not the same thing? Some substance that feels like a real thing. It's not going to get swept out from underneath you. It's not manipulating you. It's not trying to get something from you. Something that feels true. Second pre-chorus. You better believe for you, I've cried. High tides. Because I want you so bad. But you can't fight fire with fire. I've cried high tides. That's some pretty heavy tears right there. High tides? Like she's moving the oceans with her friggin' tears. Because I want you so bad, but you can't fight fire with fire. Honestly, I will say, this one still has not fully... Specifically the fire with fire part. I'm not, I don't, like, see what she's saying entirely. Like, I have a few guesses. Like, I, I want you so bad, but you can't... You can't just want something and have someone want you and then it's good because as she's alluded to in this whole song, there's so many circumstances that are beyond our control. So wanting someone isn't enough, even if they want you back. And I don't know. I don't know. I'm still not, I'm still not sure about that one, but it's very, it's very powerful and it's very vulnerable. And I think that is her trying to understand this desire for love and this true feeling while also coping with all the fact that everything feels so fake and inauthentic. So maybe you can't fight inauthenticity within it. Nah, I don't know. We're going to, we're going to move on. Chorus again. Never get over myself. Start trying to be somebody else. I just want to love you for free. Everybody wants something. You just want me. Everybody. Yeah. You know, good, good, good. The bridge, the final words that she leaves us with on this wonderful kick-ass song. Listen, I know how low I can go. I give as good as I get. You get the brunt of it all because you're all I got left. She's recognizing her own pits, her own rock bottoms, and saying, you know, I can only give as much as my circumstances allow there's only so much of me at any given time and it's constantly changing and i can identify those pits but i can't by identifying that ignore it you know i I can only give what i have i can only give what i get but you get the brunt of everything because there's nothing else you've all it sounds like this person is the only true feeling thing that she has left so that true feeling thing you throw all of yourself at it because life's too short not to there's too much uncertainty there's too much inauthenticity to feel something real and true and not just friggin swing your stuff around at it right it's pretty cool it's pretty cool it's hard to get there and you can feel 
as she's singing, you can feel the kind of the turmoil just in the voice throughout the song, like the pain behind it. But the, the like I said, kind of like coming out of that, coming out of defeat and, and realizing something. We both will find peace of mind. <laughs> this whole thing has been a lead up to that. Peace of mind. Are you kidding me? What are you listening to right now, by the way? Let me know. Um, I didn't decide the name of this podcast based off this song. She copied me. We both will find peace of mind. And I think that's lovely. I'm actually, I'm going to continue. Read. We both will find peace of mind. Sometimes the road less traveled is a road best left behind. And that's the song. And then there's like a boring talking part at the end. <laughs> But finding peace of mind, it's such a, I hear it all the time now, just, you know, it's like when you have a car and you see that car everywhere, but what else could be the goal of your day to day? I mean, you know, everyone has different life goals, but like everyone wants to have their mind at ease day to day, right? You show me someone who's like, no, I kind of like chronic stress and anxiety and being anxious about every social interaction and like not being able to get out of bed in the morning. So peace of mind, right? That's, that's what we want. And she hopes that in time, her and the person that she's longing for will find that. So it's coming to terms with, you know, despite all this river and everything being out of your control, you still have these feelings and despite those feelings, everything's still out of your control. So it's like, she's coming to terms with, you just, you can't force it. You can't force it. And sometimes the road less traveled is a road best left behind. So maybe the fact that the river hasn't taken you that way means that's not the way to go. And you got to stop trying to paddle over there because it's fruitless at the end of the day, and that's going to create that stress and destroy that peace of mind. But yeah, this song, it's been 42 minutes. <laughs> Time is not real. I think this has been one of my most listened to songs because I think it, just in this day and age, it's so it's so refreshing to hear a voice like hers and just someone with, with a position such as hers go through these things that I have felt so much lately in my life. Um, it's nice that there's a lot of stuff that I'm reading and just kind of reanalyzing and it can feel isolating. It can feel isolating to be like going through the motions of coping with the world that we're growing up in and hearing somebody talk so simply but directly at the problem it's just really refreshing. And I think that this sentiment is popping up in music a lot more, at least in the music I consume. And it's really, really motivating and comforting. And I think there's so much depth to this song in, in it's presented in such a digestible way. And I'm yeah, I mean, I just spoke the whole thing. It's actually got musical quality too. Like it's Adele. I mean, she sounds great, but just just reading it. I mean, it's just a, it's 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 good stuff. I just really wanted to talk about it, and 
Maybe you have a new song interest. Maybe you've heard the song before and you've got all this and you're like, okay, great. Yeah, it's super self-explanatory. Or you didn't and you learned something. Either way, awesome. Get over yourself. <laughs> like, geez. So yeah, we'll call it there. It's a good, uh, good 45-minute first ever song analysis. So thanks for listening. And um, this is honestly just reading this song and talking about it <laughs> for this long. It's like, honestly, I made a joke earlier about self-therapizing, but it, it really is. It's cool to like speak this stuff out loud and kind of reaffirm it and validate it. Like I'm currently feeling some types of ways and that's pretty neat. It's pretty neat that music can do that and I didn't even listen to the music. So yeah, some thoughts some pieces of mind for your peace of mind. Thank you. See you later. <laughs>